Hello, everybody. This is Jay Onafre, and this is the New Earth Times. Today, I have with me Don Lachance. Don Lachance is an advanced certified grief and loss counselor. And there's so much I could say, Don, about who you are and how you've shown up in my life and how I've been blessed to have you come into my life. Um, but you are, are a king of holding space. And I've seen you do this now multiple times that I am just thrilled, delighted, and so honored that you are here with us to share with us um, your perspectives and really touching on the grief that we're feeling as a collective and individually as we go through this COVID crisis that we're in at the moment. You're going to help provide some tools and some perspectives for people today, which I think people are going to be so grateful for. And I think I'd really like to start this opening so people can understand who you really are by sharing that the first couple of times that I was in your space and that we shared together right away. Um, I was amazed how just, I was able to share and open up because I felt safe. I felt safe with you. And this is something that you, you know, provide for people because you've been there yourself, you have an understanding, and you've earned the right to be where you are. And, and not only have you earned the right, but you know um, how to be there for people because this is what you love to do. And this is a passion that you have. And I really honor and acknowledge you for that, Don. So I, I'd, I'd really like to just start out this conversation by saying that you're referred to as a true heart with ears. <laughs> and you talk about how important it is to have a heart set. Um, you know, as opposed to a mindset or to have both in conjunction, but first and foremost, a heart set. So what do you have to say about being called a heart with ears? Oh, thank you, Jay. Um, I, I love that descriptor because it really does capture the essence of what we're called to do when we hold safe space for people. You know, you felt a trust, uh, maybe to reveal things that you typically wouldn't reveal normally or, or naturally with, with people that you first meet, because we feel often that we're going to be judged or people are analyzing us and they're always willing to criticize. And as specialists in, in, in the grief field and the loss field, we just refrain from that. We just don't do that. And we let people know right up front that, um, you know, when we experience that turmoil, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. Our hearts are broken. And when, when you can hold space for somebody and they know that when they share, they aren't going to be judged, they aren't going to be analyzed. And we simply sit and walk this journey out with them. Trust gets established quickly. And, and it does because there's always a great desire on the student's part to learn and to move through some of the discomfort. So they're willing to step out um, maybe a little further and, and dive a little deeper than they typically are in regular conversations with people. So on the New Earth Times, of course, as you know, um, we're at the forefront, agents of change in a wild new world, you know, literally, literally, literally birthing those intentions of, you know, the solutions, those practical things as to, of course, how we can heal ourselves so that we can start to heal our, our planet and heal the way that, you know, we're going about things. I've often heard you refer to, you know, moving away from business as usual. Of course, you've been very involved in business over the years. You've had a huge paradigm shift 
um, I know because I've been able to be blessed to be a part of it, that really supports people in a way that you don't see very often. Um, in fact, it's, it's, a, it's a model, I'll call it, um, that continues to give back to people, that continues to pay it forward, that continues to move from uh, mentality of what's in it for me um, to how can I support, how can I help, how can I contribute, how can I build community. What, what is it that got you so passionate about helping people at this incredible level, Don? Well, you know, there, there, there's a story behind all of us, right? And one of the things that really kind of impeded me from being able to provide value into a, a world that was hurting were, were some of the things that held me back. Uh, you know, just to give you a little bit of background on myself, at the age of seven, I tried to kill my dad. And, you know, that's like not a, not a thing that a lot of people can, can share and talk about. And, and I did because he's very violent and he had my mother up against the wall and he was beating her. I heard the screaming and came downstairs, grabbed a butcher knife and went after him. And he was a phys ed instructor in, uh, in, in the army. So it wasn't very difficult for him to pick up a seven-year-old, disarm me, and he flung me into a corner. And in that instant, every bit of self-worth that can live in a seven-year-old body just like oozed out of me. And so uh, self-worth and, and uh, anything in regards to showing up publicly and, and being out there were things that were difficult for me throughout my entire life. And, you know, when I dial the clock back and I look at it, um, molested by a female neighbor uh, at 11, and shortly after that found the liquor cabinet and discovered the incredible power of numbing and uh, just a place to hide from pain. And so from the age of 11 to 35, I lived numb because I had I had found the magic of drugs at the age of 12 and combined with my alcohol consumption and, and my desire to not feel the pain that lived inside this little body, I stayed numb until the age of 35. Now, mind you, I, I, I got married during that time. I, I had a family and I was really challenged by my brother and my mother uh, to, to seek help because there was definitely a problem. And uh, I did, I, I went to an AA meeting and I heard truth for the very first time because people were standing at the front of the room speaking my life uh, so much so that I figured somebody had let them know that I was coming. That's how these stories resonated with me. Like they were reading my mail and they were doing it publicly. And so I acknowledged that I had a problem, but I had yet to accept the fact that I had a problem. And so I lived um, what, what program refers to as white knuckling for three years. And my life was unbearable and I made life unbearable for everybody around me. So it wasn't until I got to a place where I accepted and I began to work a recovery program from alcohol and drug addiction. And I, I know this is a long story, but it ties in with 
what drives me to do this work because after 34 years, uh, as of January 1st last year, I'm celebrating no foreign substance uh, entering my system. Um, and, and yeah, 34 years of what I'll call hard-ass recovery because I'm, I'm brutal, as we all are when we're doing that kind of work. We're brutal with self, right? Like we criticize ourselves harder than anybody else will. We judge ourselves harder than anybody else will. And so there were, there were areas of my life in relationships that were just not healing and things that just weren't right. And so I began to look for a way that would help me through some of that discomfort, through some of that pain. And it's where I found the Grief Recovery Institute and got very interested in uh, getting certified to help people because I'd lived in turmoil all my life. And uh, when I found out that there was a recovery path possible through this, through understanding the reasons why we don't deal with pain and we don't deal with emotional stress and, and, and turmoil. It was like a key that unlocked things for me. And so when I went through the process and I began to experience freedom on so many fronts with so many relationships, and when I speak about process, it truly is a process. It's, it's, it's very measured. It's a seven-week program that we walk people through. And, you know, if, if people are seeking recovery, it, it's not only is it possible, it's probable, but like all things, it's, it's probable if you do the work, right? So I became extremely passionate and with, to tie it into with what's unfolding in the world right now, we, we look at grief and we understand we understand the pain, but we, we never accept it. We never step into it. We don't do anything about it because we've been poorly conditioned by the world, cruelly conditioned by the world to not feel bad and to grieve alone and to keep busy and to be strong for other people. And, you know, the, 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 the myths that keep us trapped. And what really attracted me to this work wasn't necessarily the grief uh, that we understand when we lose a loved one and everything that comes along like that. But when I look at what's unfolding in the world right now, the world is grieving, but it's because of some of the intangible loss and the same emotional turmoil surfaces in us from intangible loss as it does from grief when we lose a, a, a loved one, somebody very close to it, whether, whether it be a parent, a, a sibling. And an example of intangible loss would be loss of self-respect, loss of self-worth, loss of dignity, loss of innocence. And we look at what COVID's done to the world in the last little bit. And it's, it's, it's been extremely cruel. It's been revealing, but I, I'll speak to a harsher reality. Uh, it's exposed a lot of people on the financial front. And finances are one of the areas that we keep most guarded, that we keep closest to our hearts. We don't talk about, we want the world to think we're doing well. And COVID's come along and exposed all these people. So 
I sit back and, and, and equipped with the ability to see, to hear, and to understand what people are going through, knowing that they're experiencing intangible loss. And it's shame-based on a lot of fronts, especially on the money front, especially on the financial front. We don't want to talk about that because we've been conditioned all our lives not to talk about shameful events, right? Shameful elements. And those very shameful. So we dress all that stuff up in anxiety and fear and we get caught in this trap. And so many people are out there suffering in silence right now because they don't know how to talk about the pain. They don't know how to talk about the discomfort. And so they just continue to live these hopeless lives. It's very difficult. So you, you, you can see the deep-rooted passion for helping people understand that intangible loss is as crippling as what you experience on the emotional plane from the death of somebody that you love dearly. And mm. the world is grieving right now. And the majority, I, I'd say 99.9% .9 of people are just unaware that they are grieving. And, and it's because of intangible loss. People will say, well, I'm not grieving. Nobody's died. Like nothing's happened. You know, everybody's fine. Things are great. But they're the issue trouble. seems to be that it is, you know, it's accumulative. So it's these accumulative intangible um, grievances or, or this display of grief that's, you know, submerged, subterranean, maybe even in our subconscious that people aren't aware of. And because of COVID, you're seeing just this breaking point. And what you're saying, which is, you know, why I love your message so much, Don, is what you're saying is, uh, you know, start with the awareness. And, and yeah, there's going to, there's going to be some breakdown. We're seeing it at the macro level with all sorts of systems breaking down institutions and um, we're breaking down um, anywhere where there's cracks and there's a lot of cracks and the way I see it is this gives us an opportunity to rebuild so it's like we're going through a breakdown to have a breakthrough how does how do you see this from the macro of what's going on in the world to the individual and how the individual can can ride this wave and move through from from just trying to survive which let's be honest so many people are doing right now and and even start to wrap their head around the idea that that it's their birthright to thrive that that they can move through uh, this grief and whatever layers of grief or years of grief that they have and come out on the other side it it, it all begins with awareness and it's it's interesting that you <clears throat> you point out that loss is cumulative it is cumulative and it's cumulatively negative. And what, what ends up happening in a life, Jay, is all of this, uh, all of this cumulative loss that we've experienced, because, you know, here's a perfect example that people just don't attribute loss to. If as a child, you were uprooted and moved from one home to another and left the neighborhood, as a child, you experienced incredible loss. And, and just to, to, to talk about how we're, we're conditioned, what do our parents tell us when that happens? Oh, well, dad's got a better job and you're going to love the new house. And the real message that they're conveying is, well, don't feel bad about any of that. And you'll make new friends. And, and, and so they, they impede us. And so we're trained and, and we take all those truths in at a, at a very young age. And when people do turn to us, do come to us, 
they don't realize that there's an event that's taken place that has, we refer to as like kind of the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back. And they come to us with one specific event in mind and it isn't that at all. So it's, it's, the, cum, it's the cumulative effect of loss that they're experiencing. And when we begin to share that with people and we begin to let them know that this has been a lifetime of occurrences and people are anchored to pain within each of those in all the relationships. And so it's difficult for them. So when we look at what institutions and we look at what, what, what's happening now, here's the difficult thing for most people to grasp. I don't care what business you do uh, your business with. I don't care how things unfold on that front. They're all made up of people and all people have experienced loss throughout their lives and are ill-equipped to be able to deal with it. So we wonder why we get into some of the trouble we get into. It's because we've been, we, we've been conditioned that way. We've been conditioned not to deal with grief, not to deal with loss, not to deal with any of the emotional discomfort that surfaces as a result of that. You know, in the myths, like be strong for other people. So as things begin to surface through this, some of the events become undeniable. And so people are getting to a place right now where they're, the world is slowing down, whether we want it to or not. It is. And so that's providing us with more space and more time to think. And we're looking at what's unfolding in family units and things like that, where there's people getting closer together and, and doing more things. And yet there's still all of this discomfort and all of these other things that surface that keep us from really experiencing the joy in all of that because of all, all of the emotional. And, and I know I keep using the term discomfort, but that's exactly what it is. And we carry those things into the workplace and we carry them into our play place. And we, we, we become professionals at numbing and dodging anything that's required. You know, we, we take up healthy things like going to a gym or we take up running and we're not running for the benefits of what it provides us with. We run and we go to a gym to escape the emotional pain that we're sensing and we don't know how to deal with. We so what are the herbs? short-term energy relieving behaviors <laughs> which we have a lot of those in our society <laughs> so what are for those listeners who are sitting there going okay uh, you know we all know that the world is grieving we all know likely that the world that we have known will never be again and we are all being rebirthed as the world being rebirthed and we get to imagine what that new world look, looks like we get to imagine um, what this incredible world is is capable of and what we as individuals are capable of but if we don't heal then it's going to be very difficult to you know do the labor but we got to do the work so what is the work you know for someone listening going okay, I, I get it. We're grieving. I recognize I have all sorts of things I'm grieving over. What is the work that I need to do? How, how, where do I begin? Do I have to have 34 years of, and then have a breakdown? Or, or can I start to weave what Dawn is saying into my life without getting a grief counselor? Or, you know, what are some of the takeaways that people can implement into their lives right away? outside of awareness we're going to assume people are aware that the grief is present in all of its intangible forms and then it needs to be 
leaned into and then go from there. I like from my perspective, the, the process that's laid out for us that we help people walk through is, is an incredible place for them to begin because here's what's happened. You know, taking it back to understanding that loss is cumulative and it's cumulatively negative. Uh, we're walking around like kettles that are on high burn right now with corks in our spouts, right? And so the pressure just builds, an event happens and we explode. You can't put any of that vapor or anything back into the actual kettle. You just can't do that. And so here you are with this mess out in front of you and we don't know what to do with it. So we help people walk through an actual exercise where we look at the loss in their lives and we take people back to their dawn of conscious memory and we begin to really outline the losses that they've experienced that they've experienced throughout their life because around each one of those whenever there's this emotional turmoil that surfaces it's anchored around six magical words different better more hopes, dreams, and expectations. So if, if you look at what we're anchored to in the way of pain, it's all of the emotional statements that were never spoken, that were never, uh, never completed. We, we just never did it. Sometimes because somebody died in an accident and we didn't get a chance. How many times you were heard, or have you thought, if only I'd gotten to share this with them. And it, that's a reality for us. And it's also a reality for any of the intangible losses that we experience where we're anchored to pain around those six little magic words. And there are emotional statements around each of them that have never been completed. So our, our, our world is made up of relationships. And within that, there, there are so many incomplete areas like husbands and wives parents and kids you know it, it, it's why we're, we're we're encouraged and we're taught to never go to bed angry because you don't know what's going to happen somebody ends up waking up the following morning and the husband doesn't or the wife doesn't and like what kind of baggage are you going to carry around you know People leave houses after arguments and, and crazy things happen. And people live with guilt for years because they said something prior to somebody leaving the house and, and having some, something catastrophic occur. So we just raise the awareness around that. And the acceptance comes. And once acceptance comes, that's the implementation of the responsibility to take on the work to change some of those things and we can go back and actually complete it and we provide people with actual recovery tools recovery components and they come in the form of apologies and forgiveness and significant emotional statements around each of those events that that are are, are tied into those six magic words right so as you begin to uncover those things it's, it's significant work. Let's talk about another uh, magical word, the F word that you, I actually haven't heard you say, which is um, something I'd like to hear you address from your perspective, 
which is the word fear. Where does fear play in? Because there is, you, you briefly talked about freedom. So let's juxtapose freedom next to fear, because what you're proposing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is um, a, a gateway into personal freedom, which ultimately can can evolve into a freedom beyond ourselves for, for our people and for our planet. But there's a fear right now that is permeating our society and our culture that is eating people alive. And I really want to hear, Don, um, from your perspective and your level of awareness and your experience in the years of, of numbing, um, where does fear play into what you're sharing with us today? It, it, it's odd that you'd, you'd pick up on that, Jay, and you'd want to highlight that because, because of the work I've done, because of the, the, amount of the amount of people that I've walked through this process, we dress shame up as fear because fear is publicly accepted and it's something that nobody's going to argue with you about being conditioned not to talk about shameful events how do we reason with it how do we how do we how do we dodge other people questioning us in regards to that specific pit that we're we're caught in we dress it up as fear and here's the odd thing about fear when you talk to somebody about things that you're fearful of, I hate to tell anyone who's listening to this, but you've lost them in the conversation. They don't care about what you're fearful about. They're, they're out conjuring up all the imagery that, uh, that they're fearful around. And so you've lost them in the conversation. But if you can take it back to a place and say, let's just, let's disrobe this and let's look at it. You want to position it as fear because that's publicly understood. Nobody's going to challenge you on that front. But if I tell you, let's peel a layer back and look at what shameful emotion is surfacing that you want to dress up as fear and let's get to the root of this and deal with that. How uncomfortable is that going to make somebody? But if they know that they're sitting in a room with somebody that's a heart with ears and is not going to judge, analyze, or criticize, they're more apt to actually connect to that shame-based emotion and speak to it and get freed from it because then we can guide. We can point, guide, and direct people to the things they need to do to where they're anchored. I, I, I love using the Gulliver uh, analogy with, with people. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar, if the audience is familiar with, with the Gulliver story. He, it's a fable and Gulliver uh, was a sailor that washed up onto this shore in, in a land called Lilliputia. And these Lilliputians uh, saw this giant lying on their beach. And so they threw all these small ropes over him with these little anchors and wedged him into the beach and they tied them into his hair and they had him trapped there. And when he came to in the morning, he couldn't get up. Now, he, here was somebody that any one of those little threads, he could have snapped instantly and not worried about. But there were so many of them that he was immobilized to this beach. And so it is with us as people, because these emotional little hooks are caught in the very recesses of where we're most sensitive. And they impede us from moving forward. And so you meet someone like me who wants to sit with you in a room and help you uncover and wiggle those little hooks and move them out of your delicate and your soft spots 
It's uncomfortable work for everybody, but it's the true pathway to freedom for people. One of the things that we say here on the New Earth Times is uh, we have to go through a revolution to get to the evolution. And what, you know, what you just said there, it, you know, it, it rings a little bit true. Um, now, revolution can bring up some um, feelings for people, especially a lot of the light workers that I know and people out there, the, the change makers and people who, you know, the Bruce Lipton's and the Joe Dispenza's and people that are working from an elevated state of consciousness. Um, but it seems to me that a lot of the people out there want to skip the, the, the messy part and just get right to the good part. And I, I do personally believe that we are in a massive evolution and that we are in a shift that is going to uh, birth an earth that we can be incredibly excited and proud to pass down to our children for generations to come. As it stands right now, a lot of people have that fear, that shame, that guilt, all of these low-level negative, low-level consciousness emotions feeding them mm -hmm. and, and, and feasting on them and sort of taking over their life. And what I've witnessed is when we lean in to this tough stuff, you know, one of the things we also say on the New Earth Times is things aren't getting worse. Things are getting real. We're t we need to talk about these topics so that we can create the awareness so that we can start to understand what we need to move through it so that we can get to the solution. But in order to get to the solution, we have to wade through some of the stuff that's uncomfortable. And as you know, this is very difficult for society because we lean towards pain or lean towards pleasure rather, and, you know, move away from pain, you know, and really we, you know, where there's day, there's night, where there's up, there's down, where there's pleasure, there's pain. And we tend to not want to go there, even with the discomfort around all the things that COVID is bringing up for people, which is a tremendous amount of, of discomfort, which I believe is allowing people to face all of the discomforts and pains that we've been numbing and suppressing with Netflix and our uh, phones and all of the distractions that are keeping us away from our sovereignty, from our freedom. And I really just want to acknowledge you, Don, for how you bring it all together, but how you're ultimately encouraging our listeners and, and most importantly, the people that you love and care for on a daily basis to lean into their birthright, to claim their personal freedom but to encourage them to do the work, but to do it with heart. And I would say that for, I, I do see you as a, as a walking heart with ears. You have a huge heart. Um, you have a huge vision for humanity, but most importantly, you're present completely in the moment with whoever you're in the space with, in the room with. And um, that is something that is very rare. So how can you encourage, because, you know, we can't, we can't all be like Dawn, as much as I would like to be like Dawn, you're uniquely qualified for all the reasons that you shared and many more we didn't even get into. How can we find the capacity as humans to be able to receive, to be able to receive others, to be able to receive and hold space for others? Because this is something, it's one thing to share, but it's another thing to hold space for someone else who is processing a tremendous amount of grief. I, I think it, it comes down to a willingness to do the work yourself first, because 
there won't be an ability for you to be able to really understand. Um, you know, we, we can only ever relate to most people's pain because we don't understand it because here, here's, here's the conundrum. Every relationship on the face of the planet is 100% unique. And so when loss occurs or grief surfaces, we experience it differently and we're impacted at 100% when an event occurs. And we can never say, well, oh, I know how you feel. Although there are all the things that we, we have a tendency to want to share with people. We don't know. And so we, we, we say things that may be sometimes intellectually accurate, but they're completely void of any emotional value. And what people are seeking when they're even looking to reach out to find help is, is emotional value. And, and how do you provide somebody with that if you haven't taken the steps to move into a space like that? And so that you can relate, you can relate in a real way. Because too many people, as you talked about, want happiness, but they don't want to do the work, the internal work that's needed. You know, look at, look at how we've been duped into thinking that um, we'd be able to buy happiness. And there are things like that, that's an inside job, right? Like it, it's, it's something that you have to wrestle with. You have to do the internal work in order to be able to find that so that you can own it. I'm not saying that, you know, acquiring things doesn't make us happy. There's a degree of it, but it's not sustainable. And, and we just keep artificially trying to recreate that emotion. Whereas if you go in and you do difficult emotional work and get to a place where everything has been stripped down and you can sit with the base feeling and simply accept it for what it is, not change it, not judge it, not do anything with it other than simply sit in, in the ugliness, sit in the, that discomfort. Can you move free from it? Because it releases its grip. It wants you to battle. It wants you to fight. It wants you to continue to deny that that's really what you're suffering from, that you can't be that degraded. You can't be that bad. You can't be that hurting. And when we get to a place where we sit in the very depth of that and simply allow it to be without trying to change it, without trying to make it better, without trying to put a mask on it without getting out there to be strong for everyone else and, and tell them, well, I've done that and I can help. The best thing we can do for people is to simply let them sit in their discomfort. And that's a difficult thing for most of us, to, uh, most of us to do because we want to help and we want to fix things. The, what we resist persists. I've always loved that saying because it says it so well and it's so easy to resist and to push back against what we don't want in our life. And so this advice, if we'll call it advice, to sit with what's uncomfortable right now, because let's be honest, there's a lot of things to be uncomfortable about right now for a lot of people. And in the space, what I'm witnessing um, the people who have more space because life has slowed down is COVID's provided an opportunity for the weeds to start to be pulled, for these things to start to bubble to the surface to be looked at or to be triggered from external circumstances. And so what I'm noticing is, is there's a lot of 
breakdown happening in relationships and for people because we're not living in a society that gives people the tools and helps them to know how to process and move through these difficult things. So my question to you is, is A, it's, we're all well, well aware we're not uh, well equipped. So knowing that we're not well equipped right now with so many people in crises, what is the solution? How do people, as they're kind of falling around um, and, and down and feeling that the sky is falling or the house is on fire, maybe they, they can't afford to pay their mortgage or all of the economic stress you spoke about. Um, these people are mayday, mayday, mayday. I think a lot of those people are going to be tuning into this going, you know, if I'm in a blender, where do I begin? Where do I start to let everything you know, do I continue to let it unravel? Because the first thing we want to do is control. We want to get control of the situation. What do you have to say about all of that and our desire as human beings to control? Michael Sangster wrote a book called The Surrender Experiment. This spoke volumes to me. Because in battle, you get weary when you can understand that surrendering to a situation is sometimes the best defense, you end the battle, you end the turmoil. And that's why I talk about surrendering to the ugliness that surfaces, to that angst, to that feeling, to that. And, and when I say that, People know what that is because we all have them. Things that we run from constantly. As soon as we feel that emotion beginning to surface, we're out of there. And we want to control it and we want to battle it. And it's typically tied to one of the myths to be strong for other people, to not feel bad, to keep busy, to let time heal things. And none of that works. It's the acknowledgement, it's the acceptance. And there, there's sometimes a, a, a great journey between the acknowledgement of something and true acceptance of it. For me on, on the addiction and, and the, the alcohol front, it, there was a three year period of this white knuckling. And I'd acknowledged that I had a problem, but I certainly hadn't accepted it. And so three years of absolute, horror and misery and pain and suffering and not just for me but for all the people I loved the most my kids my wife like they, I putting them all through that because I wouldn't simply surrender and when you learn the art of surrender when you can understand that and and I'll say it like this Jay and it may confound a lot of people but it's something that everybody I think needs to work through surrendering is like the ultimate form of control without controlling that's what I call a jumbo shrimp <laughs> it's an oxymoron at its finest yes it does seem, yes. you know, counterintuitive, but I, I think our listeners will, will understand as I do what it is that you're saying, and it's very profound. I'm just going to switch gears for a second here for our last couple of minutes, Don, because mm -hmm. you are a master community builder. Um, you are 
um, involved in all sorts of things, but particularly you've got a project on the go that I'd like to highlight um, that is, is something that focuses on, of course, we're not surprised, people on healing and on a, on a giving model. And now I hear you a lot refer to Simon Sinek, um, who I also am a big fan of and love his work. What is it about, let's just start before we launch into that, what is it about Simon Sinek that you value and appreciate so much? His ability to champion people without judging. His ability to really encourage people to step into who they really are. You know, when terms like having an, an infinite mindset versus a finite mindset come to the forefront and we begin to study what that means. You know, you talk about the project that I'm involved in and when this this sharing economy that's being created right now and helping people step into that. The things that they're most fearful of are the things that are likely easiest for them to do, but they're conditioned to not believe that they can do them. And so we want to dispel that. And I know, and I, I'm, I'm going to make this statement right now that a part of the project and and the real mission and the motive behind what we're doing is to eradicate world poverty and that's a big statement and when i sit in a room with someone or sit on a zoom with someone and share my heart and tell them that that's our goal people look at you like a rottweiler you know they kind of tilt their head and it's one of those things right like what are you talking about that's impossible you can't do it and we believe that we can and we're helping people step into that now i'm 67 as i sit here sharing with you jay and thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to do this i don't know that i will ever see poverty eradicated on the planet but i know one thing because of my because of my desire to step into some of the truths that Simon Sinek has preached and talking about infinite mindset. I know I'm in an infinite game and we don't have to compete. We can collaborate and I will live very much like he does to spread this message until the day I die. It will come to fruition because other people will see the world the way we see it they will want to spread the good news. They will want to help people heal from the conditioning and the, the horrible things that the world has put upon us. And COVID, as crazy as it may seem, I think a lot of people will see it as a time where the world actually began to slow down and we began to favor each other. And we began to really evolve and we began to step into places that we typically wouldn't step into and began to just dispel myths and we began to take on bigger challenges and we began to live in self and we began to share that freely with other people because there's enough of the goodness in us to go around for everybody the same way we can glean goodness from other people who are willing to contribute to our projects so the more of us surface that way and the more of us who can stand up just to be counted we're going to watch the world change because it's changing as I speak. Every person I speak to, I'm looking to leave a deposit in, but more importantly, to pick up a nugget that they're willing to share with me. And sometimes that nugget comes in the way of a difference of opinion. 
And if I'm not there to judge and criticize and analyze, I get to reap from the wealth of that seed they're willing to plant in my being. Boom. You're a living, breathing, walking example of it. And I, I, had, I had Mr. David Grant uh, on the show as well. And we touched on all sorts of amazing things. And I know you two are, are brothers from another mother. And uh, ironically, you two have never met in person, which is just goes to show you this incredible world of technology that when we, you know, use it for good, you know, it, it can be either a tool or a weapon, but here's two incredible men who have a remarkable friendship, but have always had that relationship online. Um, it's just an incredible thing. Um, Don, I just want to acknowledge you for being a, a luminary, a luminary leader. You are absolutely an agent in a wild, an agent of change in a wild new world. And I, I, absolutely um, commend you for the courage that you inspire in others to reclaim their birthright, to live into their fullest potential possible. And because of your pain um, and the lessons that you've learned and all the things that you've gleaned and the time you take to sit with people and to care and to share and to hold space, I know how many people you help and you've helped me. And many times now, when I didn't feel like I could call anyone else, I called you and I was able to move things so quickly that quite honestly could have taken me years. And you know, I didn't realize, I knew I had, had grief. I didn't realize um, that accumulative effect that it was having on my life. You know, we, we lost a lot due to a hurricane in Mexico. We were living there. You know, um, my nephew was killed. Uh, we went through a lot of grief with with our children and 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 a drowning accident. We it just and it and it was never properly dealt with because it was a really difficult thing to sit with. And uh, and for for our listeners, I just want to tell all of you and share with all of you that you know if you can find someone like Don, or if you want to find Don, we'll put it in the show notes how you can find Don. That, that it doesn't have to take a long time, right? And this is kind of how I want to close out this conversation is we maybe think this may, maybe has to take years and maybe it will. But I think for most people that, you know, the body, the body mind wants to heal. It wants to move these things. And when we give it the space and the ability to move, it does. And all we need to do is have the courage to lean into it and to be present with it. And that message is so simple. And it's, you know, you can't monetize it. And it's not particularly sexy when you say we just got to do the work. But for those of us, and those of you who are listening to this channel, we're all freedom fighters and truth igniters, and we want our freedom. And the first thing we want to do is reclaim our personal freedom for ourselves. And so Don, I just want to having said all that and honoring you as, as the, the grief um, and, and trauma counselor and specialist that you are, you have a, a unique medicine. And I want you to take a couple moments just to share any final thoughts that you want to leave with people, some of your medicine, how they can find you, and you know what you want to leave our listeners with today that they can take with them, just a little takeaway um, that they can take on their journey. That would be amazing. I, I, I think, Jay, if people if people can actually dream and aspire 
to the, the degree of wellness that they're seeking, they'll be willing to do whatever's required to hit that. And here's the great thing. The more willing you are to dive into the pain aspects and the ugliness and the discomfort of the things that are holding you back is mirrored in the heights that you will be able to reach and soar at when you step into a recovery process. And the thing that will impede people from stepping into that wellness, into their birthright, into that freedom, will be their willingness to let go of all the conditioning that the world has put on them and seek the help that they know is available. Now, that's a journey that takes place between a head and a heart, 13 inches in the average human body, but a distance that can sometimes take years to cover. So armed with that knowledge, act accordingly, because the deeper pain you feel, the more exhilaration you'll experience once you work through that. It's not, uh, not happening to us, it's happening for us. Uh, I'm, I'm not, um, you know, I would never, uh, I don't have regrets about some of the tough things I've gone through. I know that they have really impacted my life and now I'm here and I wouldn't be probably here talking to you if I hadn't have gone through them. Um, you know, I, I would never want to diminish the tough things that people are going through now or have ever been through in their life. But I can certainly say that because of what you endured and the pain that you experienced, although I would never wish it on anyone, that, that that unique journey and experience has made you uniquely qualified to help people in an extraordinary way. And I know that um, there's, there's many people that you've helped today, Don, who are listening in on this call. I would like to take this time and this opportunity to invite you back so that we can drill in a little bit deeper. Um, I, I know that we didn't go there too much today, but this concept of the social sharing economy, conscious entrepreneurship, sacred economics, and helping people just to start to heal these aspects of our lives by really moving into the healing of the grief level as it pertains to our economical situations, which of course right now are incredibly um, difficult for people with all of the shutdowns. So if, if you would be wanting to come back on the show, I would love for you to come back on the show. I know our listeners would love you to come back on the show. What do you say, Don? I'd be honored, Jay. Like, I, I, I really would. Anything we can do to help further the cause and educate people around the things that are holding them back, I'm all in. Amen, brother. To our absolute human potential, um, may we reach it, may we live it, may we be it. Bless you. Thank you so much, Don, for being on the show. Thank you, Jay. Okay, take care. We'll see you very okay. soon, my friend. All right. And thank you. Thank you to everyone who's listening. May the force be with you.